Mighty Ape is Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. With everything from movies, music, games, toys, books, hobbies and more, Mighty Ape is your one-stop shop for the things that matter most. They constantly have hot deals and exclusive promos. And if you visit their website on the click-through banner on fakechef.net's homepage, then your purchase will help support Good Movie Monday. Mighty Ape, Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Good morning. You mean to wish me a good morning? What do you mean that it is a good morning whether I want it or not? Please go away. Let me speak for the love of Good morning. It's time to get the week off to a flying start and what better way to wipe that crusty sleep from the side of your eye or that stinky drool from the side of your mouth than with an episode of Good Movie Monday. That's us. Thanks for tuning in. My name's Glenn Cochran and over there is the man of great taste, Keith Schulz. Indeed. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad it's becoming a thing. <laughs> and we are here to spend the next hour shooting the breeze, traveling through time and talking about all things movie related. There's plenty ahead, so don't go anywhere. Jarrett Garn will be up in a moment to let you know what's been released on physical media this week. Adam and Guillermo are having a well-earned respite, but they will be back next week. But do keep listening because we'll be giving you another taste of the Bonehead Weekly podcast, The American Guys, who will be joining our show in the coming weeks. And Keith, my good man, I'm going to be presenting you with a challenge at the top of this show. (laughs) Brace yourself. I've had a buckle in, mate. (laughs) So, let's start with some local Melbourne-based information for a moment. Apologies to everybody elsewhere. Bear with us. Seeing that we've been on this whole uh, big drive-in cinema rush for the last few weeks, it's the only kind of cinema that exists at the moment for us. So, how about some updates on what's screening? Because now that they're open, people are going, there's movies to be seen. So, in Melbourne, the Coburg Drive-In has been back in action for the past week and uh, they've been playing films like Bloodshot, Cats, Dumb and Dumber, Mad Max Fury Road, wow. which actually I think they're screening tonight. Oh, wow. Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, Invisible Man. So that's all up on the slate next week as well. It's a tasty double. And then the Lunar Driving in Dandenong are screening Grease, Fast and the Furious, the first one in the series. <laughs> Invisible Man, Blues Brothers, Bloodshot, 1917. Oh, wow. Yeah, Birds of Prey, amongst others. Yes. Blues Brothers seems to be like a recurring theme here because... Uh, the Dramana Drive-In is also screening Blues Brothers. Yeah. Um, what else have we got there? So last week they screened Mad Max, the original. Yeah. Uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Wow. Yeah, Birds Maybe. of Prey, Bloodshot. Bloodshot's just recurring as Bloodshot, well. Bloodshot, yeah. Which also just hit home entertainment. Yeah. I guess these are the films that they can get their hands on that That's sort right. of were at the cinemas when everything went to hell. Uh, Bad Boys for Life, amongst many others. So look, if you're near a drive-in, get along. <laughs> Go see these films. Like a lot of kids these days don't even know what a driving experience is. No, no, it'd be an incredible novelty. It'd be a good day out. Yeah, for no sure. No frame of reference for it whatsoever. Yeah, and like we reported last week, I think it was the Lunar Driving that just put in a $3 million candy bar. I, I'm still recovering from that. Inf- I'm reeling, Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. Um, yeah. The fact that there's room for investment. Um, but the rest of Australia, I had no idea how many drive-ins there were around Australia. So there's quite a few. I'm going to reel off some names. Just if you're listening from these states, get out and go to these places. Uh, New South Wales have the Skyline Drive-In in Blacktown. They have the Haddon Greta Drive-In in Newtown. And then in Queensland, you've got the Yatala Drive-In in Strappleton, which is where Monster just did their double screening last week. Uh, what else have we got? The Mariba Drive-In, the Tours Drive-In in Queenstown. Stardust driving in Ayer and the Jericho driving. It's quite a number. Yeah. yeah, and then you go to South Australia where you've got the mainline driving in uh, Gepps Cross and the Cooper PD driving. I've been to that wow. driving. Wow, that would be fascinating. That, that is a unique experience, I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is very, very uh, dust bowly. Yes, I can imagine. Uh, so probably donuts in the mm. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> in WA you've got the Galaxy driving in Kingsley, the Quarter driving the. Dongara Drive-In in Port Denison. That one is closed until October, however. Yeah. Drive-ins are back, people. So go and see them. Uh, visit them. Make sure you make a night of it. Revive the culture with us and um, get along. But Keith, I've got a question for you, mate. Yes. If you were given the keys to the driving kingdom, one night only, what would your double bill be? Oh, dang, Glenn. Put me on the spot here, mate. <laughs> what? <laughs> Let me, okay, this, is this a cheat? What about, this might be a cheat, so pull me up. What about uh, Grindhouse? Yeah, that's the, the perfect kind the, of double. The Tarantino. Cheat. I imagine that 
at a drive-in. I can't imagine a more suitable choice, actually, given that, you know, it's old enough to be yep. a throwback, but it's made for that type of um, screening, I reckon. It is. What do you think? Yeah, well, it was. I mean, yeah. it throws back to the driving kind That's of right. culture. And they had the actual original cut had all of those fake commercials in the middle. That's right. You know, Rob Zombie directed one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Eli, Eli Roth wanted on one. The Machete film yeah. came about because of the fake uh, trailer. Yes. Or two Machete films, I should yeah. say. So I think that's a good contender. Do you like Death Proof? I love Death Proof. Yeah, I think th- it's the stronger of the two. I do too. I do think it's probably his worst film, Quentin, but it's still enjoyable. I would never go that far. No, I, I, I think it's his most underrated. It's got an incredible car chase at the end. It does. Oh. Look, look, it is too hard. It's two different films cut yeah. together, I do think. And I think the original cut where they were back to back, it's the better cut of Death Proof because it's the shorter version. Yeah, it's like 75 minutes. That is thrilling. Yes. It's when it's an extra 40 Yep. It's probably a bit too padded. Absolutely, but yeah. he had to pad it because yeah. you know, the, the distributor fun. insisted on separating yeah. those, which was just mind-boggling because that yeah. was going to be a franchise. There were going to be yeah. more Grindhouse films. Well, it just failed at the box office, didn't it? Yeah. But I think that'd be a good... Look, I suppose if someone handed me the keys to the drive-in and I walked past a $3 million candy bar with a uh, <laughs> strong cup of Earl Grey... I know where this is going. <laughs> And I walked into their vault and I couldn't find The Godfather and The Godfather oh, Part that, 2. That's where I thought it was going. <laughs> yeah. I would probably settle on Grindhouse. But, I mean, do you know, I've been in a heist films lately. Have heist, you? Heist movies. I think, man, a good, good heist double would be fun. All right. Lay it on me. Well, I mean, I've obviously watched The Killing. I'm not going to, we're not going to do The Killing. Yeah. Um, what about The Italian Job? <laughs> Original? Yeah. Absolutely. Have you ever seen the Anderson tapes, the Sean Connery film? Have you ever seen that? I haven't. I know the film. Yeah, that's but I haven't it's, seen it's it. a good heist film. The Thomas Crown Affair, the original with McQueen. What about The Bank Job? The Bank Job. That was a great film. I actually really enjoyed that. Roger Donaldson. Yes. I thought that was a little underrated when it came out. Dare I use your words? But I thought that was underappreciated. It was. Um, I'm just trying to think. Oh, far out, man. Buster? I'm having. Nah. You don't know Buster with no. Phil Collins about the great train robbery? I haven't seen. I've seen the Connery film about the Great Train. Yeah, well, same story. It's the the um, Buster. Yeah, it's just it plays on the love story of Buster and his wife. Yeah, well, in exile, and you know, yeah, Ronnie Biggs is a featured character. And anyway, that's a good. That could be a good one. You know, I'm trying to. Oh, I'm having a mental blank now. But there's a few that I think are good candidates for that heist doubles. If you think of any others, listeners, let us know. Well, I've thought of a few others. I mean, my natural instinct would be to lean towards Caddyshack 2 and Weekend (laughs) at Bernie's 2. What a double that would be. Like two of the worst sequels of all time. Yeah. Back to back. You'd have plenty of parking space at that screening. (laughs) (laughs) And then I thought, what about House 2 and Gate 2? Two (laughs) classic number two horror films from the 80s that I love and adore. Sequel, yeah. You know, yeah, I'm, yeah. The, I'm attracted to the number two. What What about a one-two franchise punch, like a like a Superman, Superman two, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Back to the Future one and two. I know it's third. See, this but. is tricky to come up with ones that haven't been done before. Like we live in Melbourne, where we have the Astor, and they do double yeah, features do all doubles. the time. Because hmm. one of the most popular doubles at the Astor, I believe, is Alien and Aliens, and that would be a fantastic driving double. Hmm. Jaws 1 uh, and 2. That's a good double. Yeah. Jaws 2 is underrated. Yeah. I haven't... Oh, do you know, I have to admit, I've never watched Jaws 2. I've seen number 4, funnily enough. But I've never I've never ventured... I kind of want it because of um, Roy. Yeah, do it. I'm curious. It's a, it's a solid sequel. It's more of the same, but I think it maintains its stamina. Yeah. So the, the other one that I will settle on, if I have the keys to this kingdom, I thought, what about the magnificent treat of Malcolm and the Big Steel back to back? <laughs> Great. Two great Australian comedies. Nadia Tass, David Parker made both of them. Uh, just really, like Malcolm. Malcolm is, is sensational. Sensational. Yeah. And look, the DVD release of that film now is cut. There is a sex scene removed. I'm going to put that back in. Was that removed? Yeah, it was. Do you remember, remember it? I do. Yeah, because yeah, I... Malcolm is sort of on the floor asleep. And yeah, he is. He witnesses. And that's a really actually integral part to his character. Yeah. But to get that PG rating for video and DVD, they, they just sliced it out. I'm thinking of a scene now from Go on, go on. When when he walks and he thinks, like the boyfriend walks and he thinks something's happened and you're like, yeah, you're in here screwing this up for And he smashes his model tram. Watch Malcolm. Heartbreaking scene. It is heartbreaking. It is. He's gutted about the tram. Yeah. Do you remember the cocky in the backyard? Oh, I don't know if I do remember that. Yeah, the cocky on like a little train, a cage on a train that goes around around it. Yeah, I do remember that. And the big steel too. Just a 
Absolutely beautiful film. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I reckon. I reckon we've we've really delivered a couple of banger double features there. Yeah, mate. I mean, look, Godfather, Godfather two. What 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 a what a seven or eight hours that would be in the car. <laughs> Live from America's premier horror and paranormal convention, every Friday night, Scarefest Television brings you guests from the horror and paranormal fields, plus featured movie reviews, entertainment features, and short films. Watch us live every week at ScarefestRadio.com or via Facebook and Twitter by following The Scarefest. Scarefest Radio, the radio you can see. Hey, this is Jarrett, and welcome to PE Class. Now, it seems a little odd, if not trivial, for me to be sitting here and talking about home entertainment releases when there is so much going on around the world. And look, to be honest, movies have and have always been a form of escapism, as well as art, obviously. Art as the priority. Um, you know, anything with Kevin James right up there in the art department. But escapism. You know, they're a place we can go away from our real world that, you know, we're living in uh, to escape, to live through someone else's, you know, experiences, you know, walk in their shoes, see through their eyes, see through the lens of the filmmaker and, you know, and potentially experience things both, you know, real and unreal, but things foreign to us or familiar. It's, you know, it's about engagement. It's about escape. And that's, that's what movies are. And home entertainment offers that to us anytime we want, you know. We can go to the shelf and grab that disc and throw it on, provided there's not a blackout. And we can throw on that DVD and, you know, watch that movie, that Blu-ray, that 4K, whatever your physical media is. I'm not talking about streaming. I'm not talking about Netflix or Amazon. I'm talking about physical media. And you can throw that sucker on. At the moment, all the cinemas are shut. They're reopening soon. The drive-ins are open. But... They're all playing, you know, repertory content at the moment, whether it's Back to the Future, Mad Max, or, or you know, films that were out a couple months ago, you know, whether it's Birds of Prey or Jumanji, The Next Level. You know, they're all playing films that have been sitting around for a bit. Most, obviously, pretty much all of them, I dare say, are on home entertainment now. Uh, so, you know, home entertainment's all, all, all your favourites, all the classics, you know, all the new Studio Tempole stuff, but more importantly... Home entertainment is those little films that didn't quite make it to the movies. It's the, you know, those niche films that may have may have been close to playing at Cinema Nova. Maybe they played at Cinema Nova or your local boutique cinema, but you couldn't get there because it was too far for you or it had a short run, you couldn't do it. Or maybe they were just far too niche to even play at, you know, those boutique cinemas here in Australia. Uh, they can be movies that were made directly for video, you know, whether it's an actioner or a horror or a sci-fi, really any genre, romance, dog film, whatever. Or maybe they were just shit, you know, and they didn't have a chance at playing in the cinemas, probably ever, but there's still a place for them on home entertainment. And, you know, on the topic of shit, that's pretty much what we're going to get this week on home entertainment in Australia, unfortunately. So it may be worth going through the sales section of your local store, whether it's, you know, bricks and mortar or online and looking, you know, at some films that interest you, you know, some time ago, but you've never been able to catch up with. You know, maybe they're on promo and you can pick them up cheap. Uh, or maybe there's that film that a friend's been recommending you and you should definitely see. But regardless, I'm going to tell you what's coming out this week on Home Entertainment, though none of it is particularly exciting. First up from Defiant Screen Entertainment is a period war film set during World War II. It's a drama thriller starring Ed Westwick. You may know him as Chuck Bass from Gossip Girl. Well, now he's playing lead in World War II dramas. And you might be like, oh, well, he's like an upcoming Leonardo DiCaprio. He's not. He's not. He's not a good actor. He was a bit charming as Chuck Bass, but he's not... He's not the next Leonardo DiCaprio. This guy was in S. Darko, the DTV sequel to Donnie Darko. He was in a film called Chalet Girl. Admittedly, that did go theatrical. Anyway, you know, if he's reprising the character of Chuck Bass, I will watch that. But um, Enemy Lines, no thank you. Then also out from Defiant Screen Entertainment is a film called Escape and Evasion. Now, this is an Aussie film, an Aussie military drama, thriller, whatever you want to call it. It's directed by Storm Ashwood, who directed a little fantasy horror film from a few years ago called The School. And he's back with this movie, which is about a soldier that's recounting his experiences on a secret mission to Burma to a pesky journalist. Uh, definitely worth a watch. Def I don't know if it's worth buying, but it's definitely worth a watch. 
Uh, then out from Eagle Entertainment is 3022. This is a sci-fi thriller set aboard a space station. Sound familiar? Totally. We've seen it a million times before. Have you seen it with this budget? Possibly not. Anyway, it's got Omar Epps in it. You may remember him from TV's house, and he's been in... Well, not a lot lately, to be honest, but he is in a July release from Eagle Entertainment called Trick. So you will see him fairly regularly in the next two months from Eagle Entertainment. 3022. The most exciting about, thing about that movie is the ship's name is Pangea. I thought that was kind of good. Anyway, moving on to Death Do Us Part. Now, don't let the title fool you. And if you've seen the heinous artwork for this release, don't let that put you off either. This is actually an all right movie. It's a Danish-English co-production. And it went under the title Zoo in those territories, but they've re-slicked it here and retitled it. And they're really trying to like kind of push that horror comedy angle. But this one definitely swings more toward the comedy angle. And it's probably more like your quirky indie kind of comedy than it is um, your mainstream sort of horror comedy, like Zombieland or something like that. It follows a couple who have isolated themselves away in their apartment because there's a zombie apocalypse. Yes, I hear you moan zombie apocalypse, but don't despair. This film is actually pretty funny and clever as the couple sort of work out ways to combat the living dead if they were to invade their home. Uh, and it's really about the dynamics of the two of them because the, the relationships, it's, it's at its end, but this is that sort of saving grace that reignites a bit of passion and enthusiasm for one another. It's a pretty cool film, definitely worth checking out. Also out from Eagle Entertainment is a film called We Die Young, that every time I see the artwork, I think it says When We Die Young, which makes me think of the killer's song, When We Were Young. Anyway, this one's got Jean-Claude Van Damme and he's going up against a ruthless gang leader that has more facial tattoos than Post Malone. Moving on to the very last distributor with the last release for the week, and that's Jigsaw Entertainment. What, they're still around? Yes, I was just as surprised as you. I thought they had gone bust years ago. But no, they're still out there. They're still putting out releases and they've got a film coming out called The Great War. This one's got Ron Perlman and Billy Zane in it. It's a World War I drama. What is it with all these military drama thrillers this bloody week? I don't know. But anyway, am I missing something? Um, Jigsaw Entertainment. Surprising there's a release out for them. Uh, the last thing I remember them releasing was God Knows. I actually don't remember the last thing they released, but it was probably a horse movie. Anyway, that's me for this week. Hope you enjoyed PE class. Hope you're keeping safe and sane. And until next time, keep it physical. Our tagline at fakeshemp.net is nerdy cinematic ramblings. Wow, did Jarrett deliver on that promise? He certainly did. <laughs> Emphasis on the rambling. Yes, indeed. <laughs> With gusto. Oh, but thanks a lot, mate. It's always good to have you on, on the show. And um, I just want to touch upon something before we move any further. If you're late to the party and like you're listening to this in the USA 2030, then you've caught us at a precarious time. So we speak to you from the year 2020 when the world went to shit. So... Uh, we're pretty adamant on this show that we're not going to be political. We never will. Um, we're not going to engage in any conversation about what's happening in the world regarding the riots, things that are gripping America at the moment, uh, and indeed are popping up all over the world, including here in Australia. Uh, but in all sincerity, we do wish you all well, and we hope that you are all being sensible, holding up, and staying safe, particularly our friends in the USA. Uh, we see you, and we're thinking of you, and we hope that the change that you're striving for comes sooner rather than later. Mm. And on that note, let's talk about films about activism. Yeah. I was looking for a segue, and I think that's probably a good one. Yeah. I thought it might be a good opportunity to talk about activism in cinema, or more specifically, films about activism. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an important contribution that cinema can make. Definitely. I mean, there's been some amazing mm. films of all manner of issues. I mean, it, it's not even human rights. You've got, yeah. you know, union movements and things like that. There's been some turds as well, let's face it. Mm. So let's stick to feature films because I think documentaries have been done to death yes. when it comes to the subject. Uh, when you think of cinematic activism, what comes to your mind? That's a good question. Do you know, I was thinking that you just mentioned the unions. I was thinking of that film, um, Is It You Can't Tell Jack with Peter Sellers? Oh. oh. He plays a union head, like made him famous. It's a serious dramatic role and he plays it. Brilliantly, I've seen it a couple of times. I, I, it's something along those lines, you know. You can't, you know, something Jack, but yeah, I'm prepared to be corrected here. But that's a brilliant film about the unions and activism. So I think about that. I mean, typically, if we're going to talk about activist features, I do typically think of the American mm -hmm. activist films, I guess. But I suppose the ones centering around, you know, 
I mean, you've got the ones centering around slavery. Yeah. You've got the civil rights, obviously, the ones of the 60s. So I'm thinking of the recent ones. You know, yeah. I suppose Selma is a big yeah. one. Yeah. Well, I think with the current state of affairs at the moment, I think Spike Lee is perhaps the most obvious go-to yeah. in, in any conversation like this. And for my money, mm. you know, regardless of what's going on right now, I think his films do the right thing. He's one of the greatest films of all time. Yeah, it's a top 10 for you, isn't it? Yeah. I love it. Certainly, I think, one of the most important, provocative and powerful that's ever been made. And it couldn't be any more relevant right now. If you actually no. look at the story that's happening in that film and what's happening in America right now, and the same could be said of Clockers, yeah. which is the other Spike Lee film that mm. Scorsese produced. Yeah. Like, yeah, he was on the pulse. He, he absolutely was. Arguably still is. Did you like Black Klansman? I did. Yeah. The, the funny thing about Spike Lee is that he fell out of favour for me for yeah, a long time. Okay. I used to love him back in the sort of 80s and 90s. I think everything he did was topical. It was really powerful. Mm. But then sort of it became repetitive and laborious for me. Yeah. I'm like, I felt like he was beating the same drum. He fell into pastiche or... Yeah, but yeah. I mean, the thing is though, like I felt that that message had been received. Yeah. But like now I look at it and I'm like, well, maybe it hasn't. Like yeah. everything that's going on, you know, that no. message needs to be beaten with a stick. Sure, yeah. So yeah, I mean, in terms of his voice as an activist, you know, he's got films like Malcolm X. Malcolm X is the one that comes to mind for me. Yep. I think not that I think it's better than yep. his other films, but I, I remember I've seen that quite a few times. That's a long film, that one. It is, yeah. I'd still have I have mixed feelings about that film. I think it's got a great performance. I don't know if it's a great film. I feel like it's too hokey for the subject. Yeah, I, I agree. He he did one called um, He Got Game with Denzel Washington. I think yes. is really good. Uh, Jungle Fever is obviously very clear cut. Yeah, you know. Message of, you know, acceptance and, yes. um, but the one that really strikes me is there's a film called Get On The Bus. Have you heard of that? I have heard of that. And it's all about a group of black guys that get onto a bus and drive to the million dollar march in Washington. Mm. And it's about their trip there. It's not so much about the march. It's just about them sharing their stories of why yeah. they're going. And yeah, okay. that one is one of the silent Spike Lee films, I guess you could say, yeah. but definitely a powerful one. The 25th hour? I know, I'm slightly... That's a great that's film. A, a I think film. that's the last great film he did before Black Klansman came along. I agree. And I think now that, you know, you, we said his list of the best films of this of this century yep. thus far, that, that's been put on there. So I think that's accumulated some acclaim now. But that, that's a great film. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think um, let's put Spike Lee aside for a moment. Preceding him, you had like In the Heat of the Night. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's a classic. That's one of the best. Mm. What, p- incredible performance from Rod Steiger. He's amazing in not, that. Not only like one of the great police procedural films, yeah. just like one of the most powerful statements about racism I yeah. think has ever been put on, on screen. Yeah, that's a great call. That's a brilliant and film. And Sidney Poitier was really like leading the charge, yeah. wasn't he? To, call to, me to, Mr. Tibbs. To <laughs> with love and what was the other one? Um, guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Guess like. Who's Coming to Dinner, which I don't think has aged very well. But not with the stereotypes. No. But the concept, it was a big film. That was another 60s. That came out in 67 as well. Yeah. It had a massive year. Yeah. But um, yeah, I agree that that, that was a big film. For Possibly the in retrospect, To Sir With Love is the stronger film as far as getting the message across. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. Um, what was it? Yeah, In the Heat of the Night also spawned two sequels. It well, yeah. Uh, they call me. Did I just quote? They call me Mister Tears. Yeah, which was the line from In the yeah, Heat of the Night. Yeah, that's it. Name of the second film, and then the organization was the third one. Yeah, okay, I haven't seen which, that one. Which both of those sequels fell into that real strong black exploitation genre. Yeah. So they are. Hardly identifiable with that first film, but an interesting saga. Black exploitation. It could be argued, yeah, activism. It certainly yeah, is. Shaft. Yeah, Shaft. Yeah. yeah. It's well, fun version. And Shaft <laughs> is still going. It's, yeah. Like, what the heck? Yeah. But yeah, like I said earlier with the union movement films, stuff like Strike Bound, which was about the, um, it's an Australian film about the one thaggy um, union, yes. union movement. Yes. Um, by Richard Lowenstein. That's amazing. He yeah. actually sells that on his website to stream, download, or buy physically. Wow, okay. You can't get it anywhere else. Like, yep. Well worth it. I've got a copy. Norma Ray with Sally Field? Yeah, Norma Ray. Uh, Oscar-winning role, I believe, for her. Is that yeah. the film? You I love th- me. I you think, really yeah, love me. it is, yeah. And then, like, everyone fell out of her favour after that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you don't do that. You <laughs> don't do that. No, you don't do that. Um, North Country, another good one. North Country, yeah. yeah. All right, should we talk about some good and bad ones? Yeah. What, Aaron Brockovich? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's a great one. Of course. Yeah. Environmental activism. Yes. How did I forget that? Yeah, well, that's a Soderbergh. That's one of his best, I would say. That's a great example of activism. Not, t- as you said, different type of activism, but still quite powerful. 
I mean, for sure. And then that launched other films like The Rainmaker, which was yeah. very similar. And then Dark Waters, which was last year's with Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. Which was Aaron Brockovich Light. Yeah. And, and I like, and they're not like films like Michael Clayton, which I would, is obviously not an activist film, but it's interesting. It's about, it's exposing that corporate yes. greed that's killing people. Yep. Insider. Well, yeah, absolutely. And then yeah. you've got um, shifting gears. You've got all of those Irish IRA films. Yeah, oh, in the how did I forget? In the name of the Father. Yeah. yeah, that is one of the with our boy Daniel Day Lewis, mate. That's I think that's one of his best roles. Yeah, I agree. It's sensational performance. Um, I think it's Jim Sheridan's best film. It is his best film. Yeah, he did. I mean, he did him in the My Left Foot as well. Yeah, and it paid Postlewaite yep. as he plays Dad. Yeah, yeah. That scene where he finds out that he's dead in prison mm. is just gutting. Spoiler alert! Oh, sorry. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, then shame on you. Yeah, <laughs> couldn't agree. But more. yeah, in the name of the Father, that's that's one yeah, of the best. You also have the Crying Game, and yes. even to a like a much much lesser extent, Patriot Games, the Harrison Ford uh, film. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, it's, it's obviously a blockbuster, but it does. It does introduce a new audience to the whole theme of, you know, IRA and... Well, that's what I like. Those films that have an activist subtext, but are not necessarily, you know, an activist yeah. genre yeah. or subgenre piece, you know. Yeah. So I'm going I'm to list some good and bad. Um, there's more good than bad. What, what do you think about Milk? Oh, yeah, Milk. I forgot about that. Milk's a really good film. Mm. Um, yeah, Sean Penn. Do, yep. do you rate him in that film? Yeah, I do. Yeah, he's great. I, I'm on and off with Sean Penn, as you I know. I know. So am I. Yeah. No, I think the man's a fool. <laughs> <laughs> Capable of greatness He's Poss great Yeah possibly a better director Yeah that's a good call Yeah he's directed some great stuff I would say though For me I actually I think about that film I think about Josh Brolin In that film Oh yeah The man who Oh I don't want to spoil Spoiler alert say it The man who assassinates um, Harvey Milk mm. He's brilliant in that film One of his best roles But I think that is a really solid Film yeah. Activist film Yeah let's just back that up There are no spoilers When it's a true story Yeah like, you can find this information If you out. don't know history, you can't blame me for your ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, uh, Cry Freedom, the Richard Attenborough film. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. About apartheid, about Stephen Biko, which is, you know, he was a, a black activist in uh, South Africa, sort of yeah. under Nelson Mandela's sort of you know, yes. time when he was in prison. Um, the People versus Larry Flint. Oh, of course. I've totally forgot about that. I mean, that's about the freedom of press, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it is. Oh, that's um, Milos Foreman, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and Woody Harrelson. Yeah. Man, I haven't seen that in so years. Courtney Love, I think she's in that. Courtney Love is in it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's quite good in that, actually. She was in his next film, which was Man on the Moon. She was too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he did the interesting where Milos went career-wise. Yeah. Um, totally what other that. ones have I got here? What about V for Vendetta? Oh, that's a great call. Yeah, V for Vendetta, I feel, is underrated. I in, do too. In the scheme of... I remember when that came out. I remember seeing it. I went to Eastland, so a local movie theatre, sort of like an all-night marathon. You know when they used to do marathons? You'd yeah. You'd be there till 6am. Yeah. It was like the second or third one on the bill. And um, yeah, I was really taken by that. Really original blockbuster film. I think now, when we look back at the films from that era, mm. it's kind of forgotten about. You know, look, I've been saying the word retrospect a lot, but... When it comes to V for Vendetta, like retrospectively, it's a great film. Mm. Is it a dangerous film? Because so many people copy the Guy Fawkes. Well, yeah. The, yeah so I, I do. Yeah, that is right. It has got that cultural touchstone that's resonated, the, the mask. Yeah. Um, maybe so, but that's kind of the good thing about cinema, isn't it? I mean, you talk about Clockwork Orange. I'm sure we were a little out of date, but yep. obviously, you know, in, incited violence. Yep. You know, I suppose it's all down to interpretation. But in a very anarchic sense. Yeah. You know? Yeah, well, I mean, V for Vendetta. I mean, it's very, it's very relevant. And all right, so what I would, what I would say is, in my mind, possibly the greatest sort of activist film or or message driving film would be the original, The Day the Earth Stood Still. Oh, yes. Like, okay. there's there's no more powerful message of world peace than that. Mm. Like, yeah. would you agree? Yeah, I've seen, I've seen that film in ages. Essentially, an alien lands in Washington. Yeah. And obviously, humanity assumes a massive threat. Yeah. Uh, when they finally communicate with it, the message is, sort your shit out yeah. or we'll destroy you. Yeah. Like, apparently elsewhere in the universe, peace is dominant. Yeah. And Earth are threatening the stability yeah. of all of that. That's, it's, it's a great message. Yeah. It is. Um, anyway, some of the bad, I would say, Suffragette was pretty crap. <laughs> really awful. Lions for Lambs, I thought was pretty average. Oh, yes, I've seen that. Yeah, that was that was Tom Cruise's attempted serious drama. Robert Redford. Redford, of course. Meryl Streep. Yeah, heavyweights that, you know, didn't carry any weight. <laughs> what about Che? I didn't like Che. 
Yeah, I don't like that either. Actually, um, I've to be fair, I've only seen the first part, but yep. that, I yeah, it's a long, tedious, a procedural. Yep. And finally, there's one called Night Moves with um, Dakota Fanning and Jesse Eisenberg about Having... environmental activism, okay. where they blow up a dam. Wow. So it's all about that sort of extreme left wing kind of politics that becomes violent. Yeah. Uh, they get blinded by their own sort of you know message. Yeah. Okay. I think that's a pretty crap one too. It's got a great. That could have been like a great thriller from the 80s, Night Moves. It, re- <laughs> <laughs> it was a great comedy. Yeah. <laughs> Suffice to say, cinema is a powerful medium anyway to tell stories and inspire and motivate change. Absolutely. Once again, as we close this segment, just want to reiterate the fact that we're thinking of all of you over there and hope you stay safe. In other news, Keith. Yes. As we've discussed over the weeks, Monster Fest have resurrected their Friday Fright Nights. Last week, they screened the amazing film, The Greasy Strangler. mm what a, what a classic. It is. It is so good. That's produced by Elijah Wood's SpectraVision Company. So let's hear what they've got screening this week. There's something strange happening over at the old Monsterfest place. Late every Friday night, strange sounds can be heard emanating from their Facebook page. Menacing lights flashing from mysterious posts. You've had a good movie Monday. Are you ready for a Friday Fright Night, 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 This week, Friday, June 12th at 9pm at Facebook.com slash Monster Film Fest, there's a hooker in the truck. And she's dead, 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 Join Team Monster Fest for a very special live stream of Dead Hooker in a Trunk. The debut feature by those twisted twins, Jen and Sylvia Sosker. Devised from a list of film school do not do's, Dead Hooker in a Trunk is a road movie like no other. It's eye popping, dick slicing, crowbar bashing fun. Get ready to ride or die!
That is Marching on Ferguson by Tom Morello's Night Watchman. I uh, can't think of a more fitting track uh, for this episode. Well, considering that not only has the world gone to shit, there's basically no topical news happening at the moment anywhere. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to step back into our proverbial phone booth and we're going to trip back through time. So Keith, if you would press those buttons, mate. Pressed. All right, so where have we landed? I believe we've landed in the year 1999. 1999. Well, I'm looking around and by the looks of it, there's some big movies coming out over the next few weeks. <laughs> it certainly is. Wow. What a big time it is for comedies. Yes. So, this is exciting. <laughs> yeah, go on. Yeah, go. <laughs> Adam Sandler's Big Daddy ah, yes. is about to open up. To a very lukewarm response. Indeed. I was very fond of that film in 1999. Talk about some uh, cultural stereotyping. Do you remember Rob Schneider in that one? I do. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I remember as a kid, I was like, Adam Sandler's job, uh, sorry, lifestyle in that film looks amazing. He does nothing. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, and then opening up to a slightly higher reception is Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. Oh, yes. What? what we in all of our sequel discussion, we haven't touched upon this bad boy. We have not. I think it's a pretty solid sequel. It's very funny. Doctor Evil takes center stage in that one, and he is obviously the best character yep. in the Austin Powers universe. Brilliant. And I think the, the the power of Austin Powers one and two is that they are obviously the same characters, the same universe, but they feel like different films. Whereas yeah. the third one comes along, and it's like an ensemble piece, and it just tries to tie it all together. It tries too hard. It does try yeah. very hard. Uh, keeping on that comedy train, uh, also opening up, I think next week is South Park, Bigger, Longer and Uncut. <laughs> yeah. And if my memory serves me, that's going to become an instant cult hit. Yes, it did. Were you a fan of that? Seen it once. I'm actually not, to be fair, I'm not really a big South Park fan. Yeah. So no, it hasn't really been in my DVD player I of can't, late. I can't believe how long that series yeah. is going. Like, it's, it's like getting to Simpsons territory. People of this year are not going to believe that in 2020... Mm. That stuff's still going? Yeah. Wow. So, also, Troma's Terra Firma is about to hit fans like a sledgehammer. I saw a, a poster <laughs> down the road. <laughs> Featuring the most politically incorrect portrayal of Stephen Hawking I've ever seen. <laughs> performed by James Gunn. Ah, uh, yes. So, when that guy crashed and burned for his statements, you know, with Disney and Marvel yes. and all that kind of stuff. and Yeah. Yeah. No one bothered to track back and see what he did no. in this film because I tell you what, he'd be run right out of town. I didn't jump in the phone box, mate. Go back. <laughs> we better. Yeah. Disney's Tarzan. Uh, that received pretty favourable reviews. Yes. And then there was Wild Wild West. I think that opens up next week. And wow, that's, uh, that's Wild Wild West. I believe one of the worst films of all time. It would have to be Sir Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> yes. On top of a mechanical spider. And Selma Hayek is in that. That was when Selma was quite present on the Hollywood landscape. And poor old Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein, yeah, yeah, man, he's a name from a bygone era. He's, he's yeah. still kicking. Yeah, he's just not kicking goals, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that was a pretty awful film. That yeah. came off the back of what, Men in Black for Barry Sonnenfeld? Yeah, it did. Yeah. He started in porno. Did you know that? I didn't know yeah, that. He was a, a photographer. There you go. Cinematographer. Humble origins. Yes, but a few other lesser seen gems, I suppose you could say, released in the coming weeks of this year, 1999, the month of June. We've got John Sayles Limbo, which mm -hmm. is a fantastic film. Mm -hmm. The Buena Vista Social Club. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a bit of a classic. And Run, Lola, Run. Run, Lola, Run is also a bit of a cult hit. Massively. I love yeah, that. I only, um, only back back in the year 2020, I looked at the cover of that and thought, I haven't seen this since yeah. 1999. Yeah, it's a good <laughs> but film. But back then, now, <laughs> I watched it repetitively. Yeah, it's a great film. I felt like it was clever. Yeah, it is clever. It I is? haven't seen that. If that's the film I'm going to have to revisit. Is it still clever? Because I remember at the time thinking, yeah, that, you know, really, really clever. Oh, but now. I'm not in a position, because I haven't seen it in so long. Now that Sinner repeats these kind of things, like, mm. will we look back at that one and go, yeah, it is still as you know, yeah. smart as we thought it was? That's right. Does it hold up? Does it hold up? Good question. Eternal but question. I said John Sayles Limbo. That is my favorite John Sayles film. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he's a man that started in the B movies. Mm. Alligator Piranha. And stayed there. <laughs> he did not. He's Oscar. He's Oscar, mate. He's no, Oscar no, bait. No, no. Um, but Keith, while we're in 1999, um, what would you be up to if we popped around to your place right now for a visit? Well, do you know what? Actually, 
I'm prepared to be corrected. Did something about Mary come out in 1999? I think it was 98. Okay. Or 97, actually. Yeah, I, I thought it may have been 99 because I'm probably wrong. What would I be doing in 99? I would probably be watching the new James Bond film, The World Is Not Enough, which I did watch repetitively back in the day. <laughs> My taste has evolved, shall we say. So it would have been on the old Panscan um, VHS? Yeah, I had the VHS. So I was very fond of it. Mm. Um, I used to sp- it was my favourite James Bond film, probably because it was the most recent one. Yep. I've learned... It's still... Yeah, it's got some good things in it. It does. But I would smash that out. I think there is an... Uh, this is a popular argument, actually, that 1999 is maybe the best year of cinema. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't. <laughs> but it, well, there's a number of famous classics that, that um, came out that year, which... Yeah. We'll talk about that yeah. soon. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. I'm getting ahead of it. Probably Bond. I would say if I, I think, I'm pretty sure I watched The Talented Mr. Ripley when I was about yeah, right. 10. So that probably might have been in there, much to my parents' chagrin. Well, coming up soon, I'm going to reel off some titles from that year. Yeah. This year. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> and, and, um, and we will uh, discuss them. But what would I be doing in the year 1999? Well, I'd be clerking the counter at Movie Land yes. Video Store. Dishing out videotapes and eating Chinese food behind a counter. Oh, so was, was that actually the question you were supposed to ask? Was that I supposed to say? Oh, okay. I would be at school watching <laughs> Bond after school. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and all three of us have met him. And honestly, Chad is the only one who had a bad experience. Right, Chad? Mm-hmm. I mean, he was... In all, in all fairness, it was my fault. So I can't... <laughs> but he, he... Did he hit you with a glass figurine? No. Uh, oh. So, you know, he's really in the horses, right? Oh, yes. So um, in college, you know, I went to uh, my degrees in electronic media. Um, and uh, for a summer job, I got to travel the horse circuit. And I worked for a company that shot individual horses and based on their clientele. And the clients would pay them for the video of the horse so they could study it and whatever. And one of their clients was William Shatner. And it was my first, it was my second day on the job. And they said, you got you got Shatner's horse. And ah. I'm already a Star Trek fan. I'm, you know, right. holy shit, Shatner, really? And I, I had this, it was just a camera on a tripod, nothing spectacular. And all I was supposed to do was go around this circle as he as his horse did all these individual walks. And I got so nervous that I looked away from the camera real quick to look for Shatner. And then I realized I lost track of him on the camera. Oh, yeah. And then I started, I, I was going around the can- like this. And, and of course he was absolutely pissed that I'd lost like one of his horses and, you know, sure. he let me have it, you know? So yeah. You know, I, oh, I, he takes his horses very seriously. He does. I John Ordover once went out to lunch with him and he said that for the majority of the lunch, he was a middle-aged actor from Canada. Mm-hmm. And then halfway through the lunch, his cell phone went off. And he reached in, he flipped open the cell phone, and for 30 seconds, he was Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, so yeah, yes. I, had the neg- I had the negative experience with him, but also Don Mattingly, which is another reason why I say fuck the Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a Mets fan, so it comes kind of natural. There you go. <laughs> and that was another taste of the Bonehead Weekly podcast, the guys from Kentucky in the USA. A really good quality podcast uh, featuring lots of amazing guests uh, they even moderate some comic cons from time to time and uh, do all sorts of nerdy things a bit like we do so visit them give their show a try and um yeah that was another taste of their conversation with peter david which we um played some of last week he's a famous comic book legend and uh, the bonehead guys are going to be joining our show in the near future i guess adding a splash of bourbon to this delicious mix perfect <laughs> can't wait to bring them into the yeah. fold but keith um whilst we're still here in the year 1999 let's look around and see what other movies were on offer this year perhaps some of the standouts shall i run through the highest grossing films of the year go for it right i'm gonna go from 10 down to one yeah so number 10 was austin powers 2 number 10 wow number 10 number nine was american beauty that was in the top 10 highest grosses. Yep. So much for being a small independent feature. Correct. Uh, number eight, The World Is Not Enough. Yes. So American Beauty, real close. Yeah. Uh, number seven, Notting Hill. <laughs> I forgot about Notting Hill. Which I actually think is one of the greatest rom-coms of it's all time. It's a great... Next, not... next to any hall, like, I think this is up there. Wow. I think Notting... I don't, I don't rate it that high, but I think it's a really good film. It sure is. Um, what are we up to? Number six is The Mummy. Oh, yes. Number seven is Tarzan. Yeah. Number four, The Matrix. Yeah. Number three, uh, Toy Story 2. 
Yes. Number two, The Sixth Sense. Oh, of course. And what do you reckon number one is? Is it Armageddon? No, it's Phantom Menace. Oh, of course. Oh, what a silly, yeah, silly boy. Yeah, so that was massive. You're right. It, it's a, This is a big year of film. It's a massive year. All those films are very well known. Yep. You know, there's one film from this year that I have tried to love ever since, right? It is um, In Dreams, starring Robert Downey Jr. and Annette Benning. Yeah. Who directed that? I've, I've lost. Yeah, I'm not sure. Oh, no, I've got it. Neil Jordan? Yeah, okay. Yep. No, yep. Uh, this came sort of close to when he made The Butcher Boy, which is his best film. So, worst and best back to back. But it's about a serial killer, but a woman that has visions of him and it involves apples. Don't even ask me how that works. There's apples and serial killers in this film. It's got such a delicious looking aesthetic and atmosphere that I want to love it so bad. So, I reckon every two years I watch it. Yeah, okay. Hoping that one day it's going to click. It never does. No, it's still crap. It's like that album you try and get in here, but you can't. Yeah. So, was that, that was during Robert Downey's sort of black period. Would have been on the back end of it. Yeah. He was sort of coming back into favour. He played the serial killer and he was good. Yeah. Um, all right, some movies. Do you want to name some and then I'll name some? From 99. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a pretty bumpy year if we think about it. So, obviously, you've got The Matrix, which yep. is still a classic. Yep. Um, I'd say Fight Club is probably the most... Uh, maybe the most revered film of 99 now. Yeah. I know it didn't do well when it yes, came that out. that and The Matrix are probably yeah. have the legacy. They're, they're, they're the classics. But I'm thinking, obviously, The Sixth Sense. I'd still say that's considered a classic. Yes. Um, you've got uh, Kubrick's last film, Eyes Wide Shut, yep. which has probably risen in estimation. Um, you've got Magnolia, my boy, Paul Thomas, which, again, was successful when it came out, but I'd say that's resonated as a modern at least classic, I guess. Maybe not. Well, how many times have we referenced it on this show? Yeah, so a number. Clearly. Um, well, The Talents of Mr. Ripley is another film that did well. It's at Bertolucci. You've got a number of big-name directors out here making stuff, don't you? Big time. Well, I just, Kubrick, Bertolucci, um, M. Night Shyamalan. Oliver Stone. Oliver Stone. Martin Scorsese. Yeah. You, oh, Bringing Out the Dead. You yep. just go down the list. There's huge. Lucas punched out a Star Wars film. David Lynch did David um, Lynch. Straight Story. He did. Your personal favorite David Lynch film. Yep. Um, oh, Fincher, you know, obviously with Fight Club. It's a bumper year. Cronenberg did Existence. Guy Ritchie did Lock, Stock and Two Smoking eight. Barrels. Oh, was that 99? There you go. Schumacher did 8mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Um, Michael Mann did The Insider. Oh, of course. That's the other one. The Insider. Spike Lee did Summer of Sam. Yeah. Um, that's insane. What else do we have? Being John Malkovich. Yeah, that's a massive year. Three Kings. Being, oh, that's um David O. Russell. Yeah. Ten Things I Hate About You. Yeah. The Green Mile. Oh, the Green Mile. Or Darabon. Yeah. Yeah, far out. You had, um, what's the name of the guy that did like Ellie McBeal? I can't remember his name. The showrunner for that. No. Yeah, well, he wrote two films that year. Mystery Alaska and Lake Placid back to back. Yeah, I'm familiar with both of those. I wish I could remember his name because in any other conversation at any given time, I could pull that out of the yeah. hat. Uh, gone blank. Blair Witch Project. Blair Witch Project. Yeah, which was made a fortune. American Pie. Of course. <laughs> like, talk about, like, that's a... That's a huge year. That's a massive one. That, that is a ma- All those films are very well known today. You must be a fortune teller because last week you mentioned Baby Geniuses. Oh, yeah, yeah. 1999. Yeah, of course. Now, that's why <laughs> I pulled out that year. <laughs> Varsity Blues. Varsity Blues. That's a great one. John John Voigt should have got an Oscar nomination for that one. Yeah. I think he's that good. Yeah. What else have we got? Um, Ed TV. Ed TV. Of course, I remember that. One of my favorites was uh, Ghost Dog, Way of the Samurai. Ghost Dog. Is, was that 99? Yeah. Far and out, I man. remember going to the cinemas to yeah. see that with friends. I didn't realize it was 99. I thought it was earlier. That's yeah. There you go. Arlington Road. Arlington Road, I remember that. What do you think of that? I love it. Yeah. But that's an interesting one, once again, retrospectively, because terrorism has changed. Yeah. And that was all about homegrown terrorism, right? Bridges, man. Mm. Yeah. Oh, he yeah, he was great in that. No, we no longer really look internally at terrorism. Mm. We always look externally. So that's right. For that one to be the guy next door. Yeah. You know, it's sort of most like a Timothy McVeigh kind of you know yeah. theme going through that one. Yeah. I think it's great. The opening scene is just horrific. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Oh, it's brutal. Yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time either, but that, that was a great one. Yeah. Um, what about Carrie 2? The Rage. <laughs> I think we're entering your terrain here, mate. <laughs> we sure. Election with uh, Matthew Election Broderick. is a great film. Reese Witherspoon. I loved her in that. Yeah. I had, a, I had a massive crush on Reese, I must say. Well, yeah. I mean, I have a funny feeling she's going to come into a conversation we do in our weekly video segment. Yes. So look forward to oh, that one. I do. 
Um, oh, there's so many. I'm not going to go through everything that was ever released, but Blast from the Past was a favourite of mine mm. with um, Christopher Walken and yes. um, Brendan Fraser. Yeah. Alicia Silverstone. Yeah. The Iron Giant. The Iron Giant, yeah. Cruel Intentions. That was a cult film. Cruel Intentions was 99 as well. This, I tell you what, uh, now that you've just reiterated all these films, that that is a bumper year. That it, has to be one of the strongest years. It really is, actually. Can you imagine if you were going to the cinema, it, it, just about every week you're going to see something. You mean that, this week? Yeah, indeed. This, this week, mate. We, we need to buy like 40 movie tickets. But um, you're going to see films that uh, have resonated, that are well-known, that are entertaining, and some of which are legitimate classics. And none of which really you would have ever pinned to be classics at the time. You no. Wouldn't have, like, you wouldn't have anticipated any of these are really going to have the life that they have. No, well, films like Election, even Fight Club, which bombed, has become such a classic. I kind of feel like that's aged a little poorly. I think, yeah, I think it features early films have aged pretty badly. I need to watch do you, I need to watch Fight Club again because obviously when you're a teenager, you, that's one of the, the big films and it was for me. I loved it. I haven't seen it in years. I watched it maybe four years ago, and was a little... I suddenly saw some plot holes that I never saw. And yeah. it's always shattering when that happens. So I need to revisit that. You might be right. I would almost be more sort of up for Panic Room over Fight Club okay. these days. I just think that yeah. one probably holds up more just as a film. Yeah. You know? I think, yeah, it's a teenage, young adult film, yep. isn't it? When you get a bit older, it's you're more interested in his other stuff. Yep. All right. Well, anyway, should we head back to the year 2020? Yeah, let's fire it All up, right, man. mate. Punch those numbers in yeah. again. Done. <laughs> the nuclear missile launches were detected in North Korea. Holy shit, back it up, Keith. You've gone too far, mate. Alright, it's good to be home. Yes. Alright, so real quick, this week's recommendations. Yes. All right. So do you want to go first or would you like me to go first? No, you go, man. All right. So I need to play to my type this week, mm. okay, because I've kind of swayed in your direction for the last few episodes. My influence it hasn't held up, I see. No, it hasn't. <laughs> so I'm going to recommend, I believe this is from 1999, From Dust Till Dawn 2, Texas Blood Money. Now, look, I'm not going to say a lot about this film other than it is that second-rate sequel that was released straight to video, back-to-back with Part 3. But it was directed by Scott Spiegel. Now, this is the guy that made Intruder back in the uh, 80s with um, Sam Raimi. Mm-hmm. This is a guy that is you know, Tarantino's biggest influence, apparently, in his rise. Wow. Uh, he, they were best friends and Spiegel got him into the industry, um, introduced him to a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, he's also the guy that produced the Hostel films mm. and ended up directing the third one. But the interesting thing about Dust Till Dawn 2, it's far removed from the first one. Mm. The experimental aspect of it is fantastic. Yeah. There is no angle or or scene or shot in the film that feels normal. He does a point of view shot from inside the vampire's mouth for Christ's sake. Like, wow. yeah, it's just a real balls to the wall film. And apparently before Harvey Weinstein became a monster, although I'm sure he was a monster in 1999. Yeah, he was probably never a solid lad. No, it was probably peak monster. He said that in his mind, From Dust Till Dawn 2 was the greatest direct-to-video film that Miramax had released, whereas uh, everyone else in the world hated it. <laughs> but do yourself a favour, find it, revisit it. It's fantastic. And what are you going to recommend? Well, I'm going to recommend... Mine is not nearly as edgy, but, you know, maybe, you know, it's quality. I'm going to recommend the 1994 Robert Redford film Quiz Show. What a film! Yeah, what a film. I just, I you know, I was thinking about this one the other day. I thought I'll throw it out to the listeners. Uh, directed by Robert Redford... Starring John Turturro, yep. uh, Rob Morrow, who yes. I feel like had a... I mean, he's obviously still working, but he, I haven't seen him in too many films. He was in something this year. Yeah, he was. He was in Kill Team. Yeah. The new Alexander Sarsgaard film. Yeah. But I mean, he's brilliant in this film. Ray Fiennes, who yep. is sensational. Paul Schofield. Yes. Oh, I forgot about Paul. He won an Oscar for A Man For All Seasons. You're saying you would have seen A Man For All Seasons. yeah. Holds up that film, actually. Anyway. <laughs> Future recommendation. <laughs> yeah, Robert Shaw, what a lad. No, no, I'm, Quiz Show, great film. True story about a quiz show in the 1950s that was rigged. Yep. And they would give the contestants the answers. Rob Morrow is the uh, young lawyer working for the Department of Justice who gets a tip that this show is rigged. This show, to give some context, is the hottest show on TV. It involves millions of dollars. Um, Martin Scorsese plays the um, money-hungry... Um, 
product pharmaceutical executive who yep. sponsors the show. Brilliant role. It's random that he's in it, but uh, he's great. It's great to see Marty act. And um, yeah, so basically he unravels the um, the plot, I guess. Yep. Interviewing the contestants. Ray Fiennes plays the new quiz show champion, who is not all that he would seem. Yep. Great film. Great film. Um, it really is. I feel like that film actually burst onto the scene at the time, had a lot of fanfare, and then just disappeared. Yeah, it did. Like, yeah, it was highly acclaimed. And it's, it's. I think it's, you know, those films that we see them, a typical award bait where they're about a historic event, typically from that era, yep. that um come and go. And, you know, but I think this one resonates for me because it's really quite original, I think, for the era. It's a great Going film. Going back to our earlier conversation, how's this for a driving double bill? Quiz show and good night, good luck. Oh, that'd be brilliant. Yeah, yeah. that's a great double. I really feel good very night, similar. Good night, good luck's a great film too. Is it what? Yeah. But Actually, I'm just reminded of the third one. Do you remember the um, the one that I think George Clooney produced? He certainly starred in Failsafe. Oh, I've heard it. Never seen it. Remake of the original old classic with yeah. I think George C. Scott maybe. Henry Fonda? Yes, Henry yeah. Fonda. And this one was done live to television on like CBS or something. Wow. So 90 minutes of pure live. So they could not afford to stuff up a single line. Wow, that's edgy. It is fantastic. Wow, that yeah. sounds great. I'll have to give that a give that a squiz. Whoa, running the gauntlet, George. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, quiz show. Check it out. If you well, haven't seen it, let me know. Also a really striking poster. It's got a great poster. Yeah, just, you know, was it Ray Fiennes on the poster? Yeah, yeah with is. the headphones on. It is. It's a fantastic. It's it was his follow up from Schindler's List. So I think the American audience probably only seen him in black and white as this psychopathic Nazi. So to see him play quite a charming, vulnerable, somewhat naive guy is um is a great change for him. It really solidified him with the American audience. Don't forget, before Schindler's though, he was in Lawrence after Arabia. He was, which everyone saw. <laughs> <laughs> So, Keith, here's my challenge for you, mate. Yes. I challenge you next week to select a film from 2010 onwards as your recommendation. Oh, dang, son. Throw on me shade. I was going to say from last year, but let's open her up. 2010 onwards. 2010. I can do that. Yeah, I can do that. I did. did yep. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, the winner of last week's giveaway prize is William Roadley whose support has not gone unnoticed. Thanks very much, mate, for your kind words. You've always been a supporter of what we do. So there is a mystery prize on its way to you. Look out uh, for the mailman. And um, if you want to be next week's winner, just you know what to do. Keep up the support. Give our show or our videos uh, a like and a share. You can find the videos on YouTube and Facebook. And, of course, the show itself is available on most streaming services. Um, but if you've already found us, which you have because you're listening right now, you already know that. And that's it for another week, mate. That's it. Thank you for spending time with us. Uh, we'll be back next week. Hopefully the world will be a little bit better by then. Um, but anyway, Keith, thanks, mate. It's always a pleasure and never a chore. Indeed. <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth. And kudos to Jarrett for his weekly dose of local release news, albeit not much of it. <laughs> That's not his fault. It's not. You did well. Uh, yes. The pickings were slim. Cheers to Scarefest, uh, Bonehead Weekly, and Ben Helwig for his two cents worth. Um, we're looking forward to next week to cap off this week's show from Office Space, the soundtrack from 1999. Here's a classic for you. Damn, it feels good to be a gangster by the Ghetto Boys. Strong content warning on this one and we'll see you next week, amigos. Good movie Monday. It feels good to be a gangster. A real gangster ass nigga plays his cards right. A real gangster ass nigga never runs his fucking mouth. Cause real gangster ass niggas don't start fights. And niggas always got a high cap. Showing all his boys how we shot him. But real gangster ass niggas don't flex nuts. Cause real gangster ass niggas know they got him. And everything's cool in the mind of a gangster. Cause gangster ass niggas think deep. Up 365, I yo, 24-7, cause real gangsta-ass niggas don't sleep. And all I gotta say to you, wanna be, gonna be, cocksucking pussy pranksters, is when the fire dies down, what the fuck you gonna do? Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. <laughs> Feels good to be a gangster 
feeding the poor and helping out with their bills. Although I was born in Jamaica, now I'm in the U.S. making deals. Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. I mean, one that you don't really know. Riding around town in a drop-top band, sitting switches in my black 6'4". Now gangster-ass niggas come in all shapes and colors. Some got killed in the past. But this gangster here was a smart one. 